Gaslight, Chapter 17, December 1899 We're playing hide-and-seek, and it's my turn to seek. It might seem like a childish game for girls our age, but when you have been cooped up in the dark for so long, it's great fun. It's difficult to find Bee, as she's so good at making herself invisible. I get down on my hands and knees and look under the bed. Of course she isn't there. No one ever really hides under the bed, unless they are a very small child and don't know any better yet. It's been snowing on and off for the last couple of days, and the silvery light makes the china-blue walls glacial. I try the wardrobe, pushing aside all the wonderful new clothes my mother has had made for me. Iris blue, velvet dresses and deep magenta silks. She isn't there either. I go to the window and look out. We scrape together enough powdery snow to create a snow child. It smiles up at me with its cold mouth. The glass is cold and my breath makes circles of condensation. I draw the shape of hearts in them, then wipe them off with my fingertips. There's no sign of bee out there. She must be downstairs. Ma'am, one of the maids, Dilly, is carrying some fresh linen up the stairs as I go down. Please call me Nancy. Sorry, ma'am. I mean Nancy. It's force of habit. I can't bear all that fuddy-duddy stuff. Now, very importantly, have you seen B anywhere? She grins in a way that tells me she has. I laugh. Thank you. The Christmas tree at the bottom of the stairs is huge and lit by candles. It smells of a mixture of pine needles, cinnamon sticks and the oranges which cook dried out in the oven so we could make them into stained glass window decorations. B isn't in the parlour. Ma is sitting at the table writing in her journal, curls of steam rising up from her teacup. She has earl grey with a squeeze of lemon. I tried it so that I could be like her, but it's like drinking perfume. She's thinking of writing our story into a great novel, which will travel the world. She will have a pseudonym, of course, and the characters will have different names, but it will be our story nonetheless. It starts when my father dies from cholera, which he really did. He was a teacher at the Cardiff University. Pernicious Sid made up all the nasty things he told me about him. He wasn't running after us that day. It was Sid we were running away from. I presumed that Sid was just passing and took me in out of the kindness of his heart. How naive I was. The thought of Sid is a dark shadow in the room. I still have nightmares about him. I still see him being dragged away by the river. The Empire Theatre burned down on October 31st, 1899. Set alight by a fault with the gas lighting, the newspapers say. How apt! That it would happen on Halloween. I like reading the paper, knowing about current affairs, now that we are at the beginning of a new century and things are changing. I wonder if that really was the cause of the fire. In another newspaper, a few days later, there was an announcement of a wedding. Mr Gideon Gilbert and Miss Lavender Day. The woman's face in the photograph is covered by a veil and the man sports a finely waxed moustache, curled up at the edges, and thin metal-rimmed reading glasses. I have studied that photograph over and over. I can't be sure, but it looks so much like Sid. 
They were about to take the ship across the ocean to America to make moving pictures. I can't be sure. And yet deep down inside, I am. I hope that his life works out well in America. That he is not the shadow behind the trees. That ripple in the curtains of my room. Which makes the gaslight flicker. The ghosts of my past will always be with me. At Ma's neck is the locket we have retrieved from the pawnbrokers. It was my hair inside it. The casket was hers. She had hidden some money there when Sid started stealing from her and her parents. Sid forced her to tell him where it was eventually, though she kept it to herself for years. I suppose his desperation for money as the empire was failing made him finally force it out of her. The book of Anderson's Tales was mine. My mother used to read it to me when I was very young. As my memory comes back in fragments, I realised I was reading it in her voice inside my head the whole time we were apart. B isn't in the drawing room either, though my grandfather is. He has a book face down on his lap and is having a nap in front of the fire. Mine and B's stockings hang at either end of the mantelpiece waiting to be filled tonight. I take a candied fruit from a silver tray and pop it in my mouth. I know where she'll be. The library is my favourite place in the whole wide world. I could stay in there for eternity. Sometimes we choose books that are on the highest shelf just so that we can slide the ladder across on its casters to get to them. Sometimes we make big piles of books on the reading tables and spend hours poring over the history of the world or losing ourselves in magical lands. At the moment, I'm scaring myself silly with a novel called Frankenstein, the modern Prometheus. It's a humdinger of a story which chills me to the bone and I love it. Ma says that everyone should read Mary Shelley because she is a modern woman and doesn't let men take her, tell her how to live her life. She says the children's books are often made kinder so that we won't be scared. I lend her my copy of Grimm's Tales and tell her to read about Cinderella's sisters. I spin the globe that stands on its brass axle as I look about me. There, behind the heavy velvet drapes, are two feet sticking out. I hum as if I haven't spotted her and then at the last moment spring towards the curtains and scare her out of her hiding place. Found you! B squeals then pummels me. I run around the library then climb a ladder so that she can't reach me. She slides the ladder along its rail and I laugh even harder. The bell clangs in the hall. I'll get it, Dilly! Dilly stops in her tracks and lets us rush past her. The postman brings cards and Ma has made us write one to each other and post it for fun. Sure enough, amongst lots of cards and letters addressed to Ma and Grandad, there is one for me and one for B. To Nancy Sullivan. I read my real name aloud. All those years I thought I was called Howells. I would have been able to find my name if Sid had let me know my real name. I unstick the envelope. Then I bite down hard on my fingers not to say anything. B has drawn a likeness of the two of us and written Sisters at Christmas as a title. Inside she has written a lovely note and I am so proud of her handwriting. It's beautiful. 
I can hardly trust myself to speak. Go on. You open yours. She does, and then makes a face of such astonishment that I am laughing again. I've also drawn a picture of us together with the title, The Christmas Sisters. Great minds think alike, she nods. Later, Ma asked me to read to everyone. Standing in front of the fireplace, with my family around me, I realise that this is the only audience I will ever need. I am the star of my own life. I clear my throat, then read. Marley was dead to begin with. I replaced the name Marley with Nancy in my head. Nancy was dead to begin with, but now she is alive. <laughs>